Do you have any bad habits that may be killing you slowly? Tonight we discuss the leading causes of death amongst women and how we can avoid the grim reaper knocking at our door too early.
actually smoked like he had an ashtray in his car he didn't even use the regular ashtray in the car it was a real ashtray he had in there that's how much he smoked and he ended up having a heart attack I mean when he was like 54 or something like that so he quit smoking after that because he scared him um but within like two years he he ended up coming down with COPD um and part of it is I think that you know he had smoked for so long and when he stopped smoking all that tar started to kind of like try to clear away and it couldn't so he ended up with a lung disease as well. So, hey, Kay, what about you? Do uh, you have any info on heart disease for us or anybody that you've experienced with? Um, no, I don't know anybody in my family if they have it or not. There are people that I suspect have it, but, I mean, you know, again, I don't know. Yeah. What about you, Alexis? Um, my family has a history of heart problems because my grandfather, who I never met, actually died in his sleep because of one. And my grandmother actually had two heart attacks and several strokes. So as to the symptoms, my grandmother's first heart attack, no one knew about, actually, because she had it and she was in her room and she couldn't get up off the floor. So it was hours before someone came to check on her. And when they checked on her, it was too late to reverse it. So because of that first heart attack, it actually slurred her speech. It slowed her down. But my grandmother's last stroke was the most devastating of them all because it took away her speech. So after that last stroke, my grandmother never spoke a word again. She was only able um, to make noises and stuff. I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, it's it's a sad thing, some of the things that can happen as we grow older. And, and like, you know, I, I think that's why it's important that we pay attention because um, whatever we can do to either, you know, prolong or avoid, I know most of us want to live a long, healthy life and meet our great-grandchildren. Um, so the second one is cancer. Um, I know I've personally been hit by cancer in, in my family multiple times. Um, three of my grandparents had cancer as well as I just lost my stepmom in September to lung cancer. Um, you know, I'm just one of those people that hopes to, hopes to God one day they find a cure. Um, but race and sex can play a role as well as your genetics and your lifestyle. Uh, lung cancer does cause more deaths than any other cancer in both men and women. Um, so I know that, you know, smoking is another, this is where another one that um, can really lead to uh, some devastating cancer results. Um, what do you, Kate, can you think of anything that we can warn people about with cancer? I know there's a lot. Um, you know, cancer is actually something that is really prevalent in my family. My grandmother and her sister died of cancer. My father died of cancer. My older sister um, has battled with it, and my younger sister has a brain tumor. It wasn't malignant, but she had to have it removed. So it's something that is, you know, that my family definitely um, struggles with. Um, I I would say that um, it's really important to always get tested. If you're a woman, you need to make sure that you um, get your checkups um, regularly, whether it's a pap smear or... Um, I forget what they call those breast exams, um, but you need to get those done regularly. Yeah, mammograms. There you go. Thank you. Um, You need to get those done regularly. And if you're a man, you need to get your prostate checked 
you know, like you need to keep that stuff up to date because, I mean, look at um, how Chadwick Boseman just died of colon cancer, and maybe if he had been able to check it early, maybe it could have been his death could have been prevented. So, oh, absolutely. And you know, the the thing is, too, did you know I've I've you know done some studies on cancer throughout my years in college and. Um, men can actually get breast cancer as well, and it's actually important for men, especially if they have more fatty tissue in their breast area, to get tested for mam- and for breast cancer as well, because it is something that happens, and it and it's you know it's something that will kill a man because they don't realize that that there's an issue there, um, and you know it, like this of course skin cancer. I mean, there's so many different things, and and uh, you know that healthy exercise. Uh, eating right and trying to, to battle, you know, there's things that are, can actually help battle against it. You know, I'm a big believer in CBD oil. Um, there have, has been research that has shown that it can shrink cancer cells um, inside of, of bodies. And so for me, I, that's a huge thing that I do as preventative because it does run in my family. So what about you, Corinne? Uh, do you have any experience in your family with cancer? And, and I'm curious also if any of you ladies, if you do have that experience in your family, is it something that your family talked about out loud, or is it just something that everybody kind of on the side went through and just found out their own information to, you know, it, I'm just curious if everybody talked about it or not. Um, I, I, this is Steve. I have um, cancer that runs on both sides of my family. Um, my aunt on my um, mom's side, um, she actually had cancer, breast cancer, and um I had both of her breasts removed and didn't tell anyone. And so after it was all said and done, um, so I, I guess certain people don't talk about it. Um, her son also wound up catching cancer as well, um, but he's fine. Um, they both are fine. Um, on my uh, dad's side, though, my aunt caught cancer a year after my mom passed away. She passed away. Um, and then her mother also had cancer. So, um, yeah, it does run on both sides of my family. I don't think, unless we see it, um, people typically don't talk about it, at least from from my experience. I wonder, you know, I wonder if Um, that's something that could even help. You know, if we start being honest with our kids about it when, you know, something like that runs in your family and try to get them on the track early to live a healthier lifestyle. Um, you know, stay away from McDonald's and Burger King all the time. Uh, it could possibly, you know, it could possibly help. Alexis, you got anything to add on that? Cancer does also run in my family. My The aunt who raised me had a tumor removed. My other aunt had breast cancer, and she, too, had a tumor removed when she first came to this country. My mom actually died of ovarian and uterine cancer and a brain tumor. Um, so it's one of those things where there are certain cancers that you can prevent, but there are certain cancers you can't because it's all about genetics. So if it does run in your family, I would recommend that you make your doctor well aware of your family history and you get yearly checks because with cancer, it's best to catch it in its early stages so you can do something about it because once it reaches its final stage, there really isn't anything that anybody can do. 
other than to yeah. manage your symptoms. And most times in my family, once a person has been diagnosed and it's the last stage, they don't live very long. My mom had six months when she was diagnosed. Well, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, but, you know, I think that we've given some good information and, and it's, it's, it's something that has to be addressed, I think, uh, until there's a cure for it, which gosh knows, hopefully it, it would be soon. But, um, but, you know, there's just so many of them and so different, so many different kinds. Um, the best way we can battle it is try to prevent it. So the, number three is unintentional injuries, which is, you know, pretty much a claiming to accidents. Uh, these are probably the most uh, emotionally tragic because it happens usually um, unexpectedly to people that are younger than you would imagine. I, I lost a brother-in-law about two years ago. Um, he was only 48, and he was in a motorcycle accident and died um, instantly. And, you know, that it was a really, really tough phone call to get. Um, I remember I was in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and I got out of the car because I couldn't even, I couldn't even concentrate because it was just such a shock. And, and the fact that, you know, my niece and nephew lost their dad and, and it was just such this tragedy. Um, and it's, it's the top, you know, the top, one of the top three causes of death. So, um, Hey, what do you, what do you got for us on accidental in unintentional injuries. Uh, that's the story of my life. <laughs> like I'm always bumped up. Like I have bruises and I don't even know where I get them from. Like, where did this one come from? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Corinne? I think that like I, I know uh, my cousin, for example. Um, some, sometimes you'll get in an accident and you may succumb to your injuries, but it won't be immediately. Um, so, for example, my cousin got in a car. Well, actually, got hit by a car when he was about five or six, and um, it caused him to have issues with his organs internally, um, and it was yeah. something that he dealt with throughout his life um, until he did ultimately. Uh, uh, that um, I'm sorry, succumb to that when he's about in his 30s. Um, so right. it, it wasn't like car. The incident itself, um, you know, killed him. It was basically the injuries that he suffered from that incident. Sorry to hear that. How about you, Alexis? You got anything to add? Accidents happen, but. I took a class where one of one of my professors said something. Accidents can be prevented because it usually yep. happens because somebody is negligent and they did something stupid. So because they chose not to pay attention or they chose to do something, it it caused them to either injure themselves or injure someone else. To be well, you know, that's oh, I was going to mm-hmm. actually bring that up because I think it's it's interesting. They call it a car accident, but for instance, if one of the people were were drinking and driving and they caused a car accident, a fatal car accident, it's not really an accident if it was caused by somebody who was drinking and got in the car and drove, um, or negligence, that, or you know, falling asleep at the that, wheel, or that actually, like, yeah, um, no- that actually happened to me when I was a child. My father had one too many drinks. I had two younger siblings. I now only have one. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. 
but so those are the things that I we don't have, encourage. You know, we have I don't prevent. encourage people to drink and drive. Yep, exactly, because accidents like that do happen, and they could that could have been avoided. And you know, I think that it, if people need to to wake up and sometimes listen to when they hear the message, you know, and if this message is so, supposed to go out to somebody to put their keys down, then they need to. <laughs> So the next one is number four, which is chronic liver respiratory disease, which includes COPD, bronchitis, emphysema, and asthma. Of course, smoking drastically affects uh, your lungs and causes many of these. Um, I I told you a little bit earlier about my uncle who ended up with COPD because he had smoked his entire life, Um, and I've known different people. I remember when I was a volunteer firefighter in an EMT back in Pennsylvania, and it was crazy because we would go um, on calls and you wouldn't believe the amount of people that would be on oxygen and still smoking cigarettes. Not only is it like flammable, but they're, they're can barely breathe from emphysema and they're still smoking cigarettes. And that always blew my mind. Um, what Corinne, what do you got to add on that? I really don't know anyone that suffers from that. Um, so I don't really know. I mean, the best thing I can say is that, um, if you have asthma, obviously, or you have issues with um, breathing, um, the last thing that, you know, you should be doing is anything that will compromise your breathing. Um, that's that's yeah. the only thing I would extreme towards that because I honestly don't right. really want to bring it to be well, able I'm to really relate. I'm really glad that they, they have so many laws against smoking outside and in other people's faces and stuff because, I remember when I lived in Germany, we I would take, you know, flights over there to go and then go back and forth to visit my dad who was in California at the time. And they, you could, they could smoke cigarettes on the overseas flights. And it would be like a hot box inside this airplane for 10 hours with people smoking away in the back of the plane. And you had to go through there to go to the bathroom. It was awful. <laughs> okay, what, what do you got to say about emphysema or, or how about them smokers? Um. Well, I don't know much about emphysema or or smokers, but both of my <laughs> daughters have asthma. And um, my oldest child had it very severely when she was young. We were in the hospital sometimes between five and ten days every other month. It got to where we had a room and they knew us. And <clears throat> luckily as she grew older, she, she her asthma um it's like it grew better. Um, she only needs an right. inhaler once in a while now. Um, and my younger child, she, her asthma is not as bad as my old my oldest was. Um, but it is something that I worry about. I remember once my oldest child, like before, right before I took her to the hospital, this was years and years ago when she was still small. At one point, her breathing was so labored that her lips were changing color. And I remember being yeah. terrified that they would not, you know, because sometimes emergency rooms are just packed. And I remember being terrified oh, yeah. taking her there that they were not going to, like, you know, serve her in time. So, I mean, oh, you know, yeah. if if people have asthma or, or breathing problems, I don't even, I can't comprehend why they would smoke. Like, why would you just, I mean, that's suicide. Or people that smoke around their children. That shit pisses me off, man. Like, you do not need to be right. smoking around kids. I had a friend who actually had really bad asthma that was caused by her dad smoking because he would smoke two or three packs a day um, while she was a kid in the house. And like, she ended up with like really bad asthma because of it. It's like, come on, you know, like if you don't care about your own life, please care about your children's lives. 
and they're breathing. <laughs> Alexis, what about you, hun? I actually think people who smoke, whenever I ask them why they smoke, they go, I need it because I don't deal with stupid people and it prevents me from murdering them because their nicotine uh, comes from them. And I yeah. just look at them and I'm like, okay. And one of my uncles told me he smoked because he wanted to die before World War Three. Oh, and nice. I don't, I don't believe in comments like that. So speaking from someone who developed asthma late in life, because about two years ago, I didn't even realize I had it. I I was so sick to the point where I could not even breathe as I was coughing because I couldn't stop coughing. And when I went to see my healthcare provider, they're like, did you know your airway is a hair away from closing? So I actually was prescribed an inhaler. So for people who are smoking and or develop COPD and emphysema, stop smoking. Hey, you know, I just thought of a question I wanted to ask you. Um, with your daughters, um, I, I'm curious if how young you, when you recognized or realized that they had an issue with breathing and how young they were and what were the symptoms that you noticed? Because maybe there might be people out there who have kids that uh, have breathing issues and aren't sure, really sure what they're looking for. Um, To be honest, she was still an infant, and I remember the very first time I took her into the hospital because I was really worried about um, her her chest was rattling. She was coughing a lot, and I didn't understand. I thought maybe she had pneumonia or, or bronchitis or something, and I remember I took her to a children's hospital, and you know that they have, like, interns and stuff, and so the interns asked me, they were like, does she have asthma? And I'm like, look, this is my first kid. You tell me. <laughs> like, why are you asking me? I'm not the doctor. You are. <laughs> and so they did some x-rays. Um, they did some x-rays on her, and that's how they discovered that she had asthma. But some of the symptoms are like um, the other lady was saying, coughing a lot, difficulty breathing. If your chest hurts, um, if you have a lot of um, uh, chest issues, for example, if you catch um, pneumonia or bronchitis all the time that may be a symptom that your airways are are, are closing too tightly to properly um, let air through to your lungs. Um, if your back hurts a lot, your your lungs and your back, if those hurt a lot, if you feel like you're rattling or struggling to breathe, if someone listens to your back and they hear rattling sounds, those are all symptoms of asthma. Okay. See, I knew I could ask you, count on you. <laughs> I, I was just going to add something. Yeah, go for it. This, this is C. Um, just to, um, I guess piggyback off of what Kay was saying, and if this is any, I guess, um, helpful to you is that um, when my father was young, when he was, I, I don't know how when he discovered he had asthma, um, but he had bad asthma, and when he was about five, his asthma put him in a coma. Um, but, um, you know, he had nerve damage after that, but he was fine for the most part. The only thing is he writes kind of funny, um, but he types all the time. He's an IT supervisor, so that's either here or there. Um, but as a, throughout my life, I've never seen my dad have an asthma attack. He does use his inhaler whenever, you know, the air is, is thick or, you know, right. a seasonal time. Um, but he took, he, he generally, well, not generally, but he overall kind of grew out of it. Um, cause he, like I said, he really uses inhaler, and as 
you know, throughout my life, I've never seen them have, have an asthma attack. Yeah. Um, so if that's any reassurance to you, Kay, maybe, you know, they'll go out of it. Well, I, you know, I uh, use an inhaler when my allergies get really bad uh, in the in the spring and the fall. I get them all, all the time. But uh, especially, oh, God, when I came out here to Arizona, oh, it was awful. Um, so I do use an inhaler sometimes for that. But besides that, I kind of grew out. Of, I used to have exercise-induced asthma, and I grew out of that. And I just had to learn how to breathe correctly. So I guess it's just important that we pay attention, especially to the breathing, and uh, get checked out. So I'm going to name a couple oh. more, and then we're going to take a can I say something real uh, quick? Oh, yes. Oh, I was going to add some of the symptoms that you want to look for in children, especially if their breathing is labored, if they are suddenly cathartic, if they are listless, um, if their skin is starting to pale for no reason at all. Um, like what you also want to be careful of is bronchitis and pneumonia. Their breathing is very wet sounding. Like, yeah. Um, you literally feel they literally feel like there's fluid in their lungs. So if you can hear yeah. wetness in the lungs, it shouldn't be there. Take your child and or the adult to the ER. Yeah, that it is a scary thing. One of my daughters had pneumonia at one point, and uh, I caught it super early, um, and it was terrifying. So yes, make sure you get doctors' attention. Go to the ER and always mention that they're having breathing problems because they have to take those people first. All right, so right. I'm going to and, do number five. Me, can I just oh, add on ahead. top of that really quickly? I'm sorry. Um, on top no, of that, when she said, um, yeah, on top of that, when she says th- that their skin pales, for people of color, you want to make sure that you check their lips. If their lips are changing color, that's a very bad sign. Okay. So lips. That's, you know, it's crazy. I love it when we have topics that get everybody involved in talking about things for warnings because I think it's pretty great. I always think that somebody's out there that needs to hear these things. So anytime you guys want to chime in, you're welcome to. All right, number five is stroke and uh, cerebrovascular disease. Six is Alzheimer's dementia. And seven is diabetes. So when we come back from our break, I want to talk about um, diabetes. I know that's a very prevalent disease. I know both my grandparents had it. So we'll talk about some ways to avoid diabetes. And uh, if we have any experience with that, we'll be right back. Real Girlfriends Across America is on Patreon. Please follow us at patreon.com forward slash Real Girlfriends Across America. We strive to bring good content and we appreciate every show of support. Your donation could make a world of difference. Thank you for listening and all that you do. Clutch on to your drinks while we listen to today's trending news story. everyone, this is Annie, and this is your trending news for September 3rd. One year after announcing her split from Liam Hemsworth, Miley Cyrus is speaking out about her very public divorce. During an appearance on Joe Rogan's podcast, the singer said the experience of splitting from a partner is hard enough without having to confront public opinion at the same time. What really sucked about it wasn't the fact that me and someone that I loved realized we didn't love each other that way anymore. That's okay, I can accept that, she said. I can't accept the villainizing and all those stories. 
After meeting on the set of the film The Last Song in 2009, Cyrus and Hemsworth entered into an on-again, off-again relationship for three years before getting engaged in 2012. The couple called off the engagement one year later but got back together in 2015 and tied the knot December of 2018. Okay, so it looks like uh, Andy's trying to get back in, um, but I'm going to ask you a question, um, Alexis. So do you have any advice, like a a health advice that you think that you can give someone um, just to get healthier? Um, My advice is you never want to go on a diet or an exercise regimen without talking to a healthcare professional first. Like, yes, you can eat healthier food. Yes, you could start walking. But if you're serious about losing a significant amount of weight, it's always best to talk to your healthcare professional because it's always wise for them to help you develop a plan that can help you lose your weight slowly. It is never wise to lose a lot of weight quickly because you might end up doing something to your insides that you aren't aware of. I don't believe in taking diet pills unless your doctor are the ones that prescribe them. Going into a health food store is actually kind of scary because I see them have diet pills over the counters and stuff like that. It's never wise to take any pills without talking to a health provider first because, one, you don't know if you're allergic to it. Two, if you are already taking prescription drugs, you don't know how those drugs are going to interact. And the last thing you want is for drugs to dangerously interact. And if you're by yourself, you might not be able to get help in time. So start by eating um, healthier meals, go to the doctor and discuss what it is that you need, like whether you need to lose weight or if you're just trying to get healthier, allow them to assess you and come up with a plan together. That way your doctor can keep track of what's going on with you and make adjustments that are safe for you. Thank you, Alexis. This is Annie. I'm back. Sorry about that, having technical difficulties. Um, I wanted, you know, it's really crazy because you mentioned about healthy eating, and and I mentioned before exercise, and it, it is so important. Um, the universe put me on a gluten-free diet. I uh, I can't have gluten, and I'm telling you, it's so crazy how much more attention I have to pay to what I eat now. But I always before was was usually an average of a size like probably six eight maybe down to five sometimes, mostly six, eight, and I've always been very active. Stop eating gluten. I've dropped down to where I'm as between a size one and a three now, and I still eat. I, um, I eat very healthy now, and I pay attention to what I put in my body, but I'm healthier than I've ever been, and I feel better than I ever have. So it's kind of funny. It was this, you know, thing that I thought was going to be such a horrible thing, but it's turned out that it's pretty pretty darn good for me. <laughs> And uh, and that, you know, the diet's big on diabetes. Type 2 diabetes can actually be um, avoided by carefully manager, managing your diet and exercise. Hey. Yeah, because, um, because I noticed that, uh, believe it or not, there was once upon a 
time in my life where I would inhale a lot of sugar and sugary foods. Now that uh, I actually given up sugar, I realize there is such a drastic change in my energy levels and mood. It's a blessing in disguise that I did give it up because now I can't tolerate a lot of sugar anymore. Now that my body has been off sugar for quite a while, I don't crave sugar anymore. And if something is too sugary, my I can instantly tell that my body isn't handling oh, yeah. it well and I just toss it. It's crazy. It's crazy how your body will respond to those things. You know, I used to um, – I used to eat a lot of candy, and soda was is my is my big uh, thing. I I really have to watch myself with soda, because I will drink the shit out of some Coca Cola, man. <laughs> so and it's so bad for you. So many empty calories, and it's just it's just not a good thing, you know. So I really try to watch that now, and replace it with healthier choices. But it's really hard. Uh, sugar is addictive, as as is uh, caffeine. Um, I, it's crazy when I got into the habit of drinking coffee every morning for a while and then I stopped drinking it and I would literally have caffeine headaches because I was craving caffeine. So I forced myself not to drink caffeine every day and it's crazy. Your body will respond very well. And now I do things like I, I eat greens. Um, I get the, you know, powdered greens and I get the super reds and everything like that. And, and that stuff is enough to give me energy. I don't need an energy drink. I don't need, uh, any of caffeine or anything like that because I'm naturally, my body's naturally taking these, you know, these supplements and using them. It's pretty cool. Kay, you got anything to add? Um, yeah, I went on a, um, a diet a while back. It was kind of, it was similar to a keto diet and similar to a gluten diet, um, but it wasn't either of those. And I lost so much weight. When I first started the diet, I was like super miserable because I couldn't have any sugar. Like, I couldn't have any sugar. I couldn't have sugar. I couldn't have carbs. I couldn't have rice. I couldn't have potatoes. I mean, if it tasted good, I probably couldn't have it. (laughs) And I was miserable, but I had to do it because I was going through some health issues. And after a while, I got used to it. I started to become creative in in figuring out what I could eat. I started eating, like, like, yeah, meat and proteins, lots of vegetables. Sometimes I would... Um, alternate between Indian dishes, you know, with without. I yep, couldn't have yeah. milk or cheese either, so I would have to use like coconut coconut milk dishes with like a lot of flavor and spices. Um, sometimes I would do like um, Asian dishes because you can do all of their vegetables and and meat and proteins. Just you know, cut the rice. So it, it made me yeah. you know more creative in how I ate and still able to enjoy my food. Um, I'm not on that diet anymore, and I did put on a little more weight. It's not a lot, but what I do now is I try to cut back on the amount of sugars that I eat. Like maybe one day I'll just eat right. um, straight vegetables and um, proteins with no carbs, and then maybe the next day or the day after I might add like rice or some bread or something, you know, just so that I won't, you know, go on a binge thing and just stuff my face full of that and then get sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to I have to force myself, like, I just went to the store today and got gluten-free pasta because I usually don't eat much bread or pasta or anything because I can't have gluten. And so I really just work around that. But sometimes i got to remind myself i got to add a little bit of different, you know, um, add some little spice in my life and get some different things in there because I could go every day and just eat turkey and, and cheese and pickles, you know. <laughs> 
Annie, did you try the spiralizer to make zucchini noodles or to make noodle-like um, noodles out of? Oh, yeah, I've done, I've done squash, I've done zucchini, um, but you know, most of these stores nowadays have the gluten-free pastas that are made from like rice and stuff like that, and I so I do a lot of rice um, on my diet. And what's cool is I work at a Japanese restaurant, so it's perfect. They have lots of food I can eat. <laughs> All right, so the number eight is influenza and pneumonia. I was kind of surprised that these two were in the top top ten, um, you know. But of course, with everything going on with the pandemic around us right now, uh, you know, I'm wondering if coronavirus should be part of that one now already. But yeah, I know pneumonia is always uh, usually is when somebody's system is compromised by something else. Like for instance, if somebody has AIDS or you know HIV that turned into AIDS a lot of times pneumonia would be something that would would end up killing them because their immune system isn't able to deal with the pneumonia. So do you, any of you ladies have anything to add on influenza pneumonia or kind of a different subject um, I guess. <laughs> I mean my my daughter has had pneumonia um because of it was like a a side effect of having asthma. Um, but that was way before COVID. Like right now, if anybody caught pneumonia, I'd be afraid for them because yeah, that's I mean, COVID, right? <laughs> right. Well, and that's one of the things. Like I know that people with COVID, it, they they run the risk of catching pneumonia. Um, when I had my, uh, you know, when I was in the hospital, I had that staph infection. I ended up with a, I'm pretty sure some kind of pneumonia. I don't remember exactly what it was because I was not all there. But because my lungs were already compromised, it was awful. Like, I just I just remember not being able to breathe barely, and it was just a really terrible feeling. So just watch out for the warning signs, okay? <laughs> Number nine is kidney disease. I think this is another one that, you know, um, gosh, I know I have a friend. I have a couple friends, I actually, who have had um, kidney transplants. One of my cousins had a kidney transplant. Um, kidney disease is no joke, and uh, it's really – I think once I, I do believe that once somebody goes on dialysis, they never they always have to go on dialysis the rest of their lives, um, which is kind of a scary, crappy thing. Um, do you, any of you ladies have any experience or know anybody who's been through uh, any bouts of kidney disease? Um, I had a, an adopted grandmother who um, had to have dialysis. I, I don't know. She wasn't a drinker, so I, I'm not, I can't remember what it was that happened to her, but she had to have that. Um, I've had a kidney infection before, and that's painful. Ugh. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. and, and, and the, the sim- one of the symptoms of having a kidney infection is that, like, right in your lower back, it aches, but yep. not, like, in the middle of your spine, like, on the right, specifically no. on the right or the left. And if you hit yep. that area, like, it hurts more. So if you have yep. that, you might want to get checked. <laughs> it's important for you to yeah, get that checked. It is. Kidney infections are no joke, and that's uh, that's coming from somebody who experienced some bad infections, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so the number 10 I want to bring up um, before we – we only have about five, six minutes left, but number 10 is suicide. Um, you know, especially with all of this pandemic still going on, I know that everything's starting to open up and everything, but I know that the numbers have risen with people who have had suicidal thoughts and tendencies because of being isolated. Um, so, you know, if you know someone that's at, an, at immediate risk of self-harming themselves, um, just keep an eye on your friends, check in on them. Um, if you if you know a friend that, that usually would be, you know, if you haven't heard from them in a while, hit them up. 
Um, make sure you're asking tough questions. If you have any, if it, it's never going to hurt you to ask, uh, hey, are you doing okay? Especially if it's somebody that you already know that they have a his, past history. Um, make sure you always listen without judgment. Don't be judgmental because you might scare them away. Uh, call 911 or local emergency numbers or text TALK to 741-741. That's TALK to 741-741, and you can talk to a crisis counselor. Make sure you stay with the person if possible um, until help arrives. Try to remove any weapons, um, anything that medications or any other potentially harmful objects. Um, the biggest thing is to get help, though. Um, you know, I don't always just try to save your day yourself, but definitely don't don't leave someone hanging when they're when they're suffering like that. Um, do any of you all have anything to add about uh about that? Um, yeah, actually, yesterday's call was about. Um suicide, and um, I'm glad that you said that, you know, if someone is suffering, you should um, get them help. The one story I didn't share, and I'll share it really quickly, is there was this girl who made national news for um, not saying something when someone said that they were going to commit suicide. Um, So her boyfriend called, and I guess he threatened before to commit suicide, but this time um, he was serious about it. She didn't take him seriously, told him to go ahead and do it, and hung up the phone, and he actually committed suicide. Um, so it's important that if someone's threatening to do it, that you, you know, take them seriously and just don't brush them off. Okay. You know, and that, that you know, um, brings up a good point, too, because I know that, you know, sometimes people are, who have mental health issues will use uh, use their suicidal tendencies to try to control people, and that's where it gets really touchy, and that's where it's important you get outside help because, I know I'm no therapist and I am not equipped to deal with that. And if you're too emotionally attached to the situation, all you're going to do is make it worse. Right. Um, This is Kay. Uh, When someone is threatening that they're going to commit suicide, and this is for people on the outside of the situation who are dealing with someone who is suicidal, threatening to commit suicide. The first thing that you need to do is call the police or call an ambulance. Because they need to be 5150. Um, they need to be held so that they cannot harm themselves. And the only people that can legally do that yes. are the police and, um, you know, who will take them to a hospital will, where they will be put on, a, I believe it's a 72-hour hold. So when someone's yes. trying to, threatening to kill themselves, you need to call an ambulance so that they do not harm themselves. Even if you think that they're not serious, as soon as you tell an ambulance or the police that this person said that they're going to kill themselves, don't worry. Those people will take that person serious. Right, exactly. No, that's absolutely right. Make sure that you reach out for help. We don't have very much longer. I do want to put out there um, my personal thing is that, you know, willpower and your mind can have a lot to do with healing. Um, I've personally experienced it in my life before, and I think, you know, where there is a will, there is a way. And if you can try to find the positive in situations, it's the best thing to focus on because your mind is, is a very strong thing and, and it can help you heal. Um, always listen to your body. Get checked out. Don't be a hypochondriac, but make sure you get, make sure you get checked out. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for calling in tonight, and I appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank you for listening you. to yet another episode of Clutch, a podcast by Real Girlfriends Across America. Clutch onto us tight by following us on all of our social media platforms. This includes 
Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Like, share, and follow us. Did you miss the episode? Don't worry. You can listen to us anywhere where podcasts are being played, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and Speaker. Don't forget to watch us on YouTube by searching for Real Girlfriends Across America and visit our website at www.realgirlfriends.org. And until next time, touch on to your best friend and stay tuned.